Okay, so as Cam had just pointed out, today we come to this final lesson that Paul has for us today on this relationship that he's been focused on between wives and their husbands. And if you think about it, he's been using this relationship to help us see what he meant when he told us that we're to imitate God by walking in love. And if you think about what it takes to imitate God, how can I possibly do that? Well, Paul's been showing us, particularly with regard to our marriages. Now, the interesting thing is, this is a very difficult, challenging task for us to imitate God. And God knows that, right? And that's why Paul tells us that we are to do this a couple of ways, but primarily by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't something that just happens to us. It's part of that sanctification process. It's the Holy Spirit who indwells us when we're born again. As he's working on us and making us more Christ-like, when we respond to that, we're filled with his Spirit. And this kind of boils down to basically that opportunity cost argument that we've been talking about over the last couple of months. There are only so many hours in a day. And you can choose to do one of basically three things during the day with regard to the Holy Spirit. First, you can choose to grieve him by living in unrepentant sin. And then there's a distance between you and the Holy Spirit. The second thing you can choose to do is to quench him, to ignore him. Whenever he's prompting you to do things, you just kind of ignore it. Or you don't acknowledge his presence in your life. And that's why you find that the fruit of the Spirit doesn't come out in your everyday, ordinary life. Or you can, be choose, you can choose to be filled by him. And that's the choice we have every single day. And how do we do that? Well, Paul gave us a couple examples. You see them up there on the screen. Praising. We come to church and we start praising, but praising isn't just singing. It's praising throughout every single day of our lives. When we get up, we start by praising. And then giving thanks. We have so much to give thanks for. In fact, we're going to celebrate this thing called Thanksgiving in a couple weeks. And what is that about? It's, that's where it comes from. Right? It starts with a sense of thanksgiving in our hearts for all that God has done for us. And then there's this last one, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that is exactly what Paul has been teaching us here. I hope we've all been putting this into practice. It's so important that each day you get up and consciously make this decision. Will I grieve him? Will I quench him? Or will I be filled with him? It's life-changing when you start to do this because you start progressing in holiness and your relationship with Jesus grows. And that's going to be our focus today as we see Paul showing this, this last piece here. And what's so remarkable, what blow, blows me away when I think about it, is just how it is that I can be filled with the Spirit by how I operate within my marriage and also with regard to the church. But at the end of the day, when we look at this, it's really all about unity. And Paul employs this unique approach to teaching us about how he fills us as he unites us by iterating back and forth between husbands and wives and Christ and the church. And this is so helpful because, again, we read Scripture so often and we think to ourselves, okay, how am I supposed to apply this to our lives? Well, Paul has been showing us so clearly how it is that we do this. It's so important in two huge aspects of our lives, both our marriage and how we operate in the church. Don't we all just desire that? And Paul doesn't even just like get into a little bit. He gets into painstaking details. This is how we're filled with the Holy Spirit as he unites us in our marriages and as he unites us as a church. Wives, they submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ. And husbands, 
They love their wives as Christ loves the church. Because loving and submitting is how God designed different entities to unite, to become one in Christ. We see it in the Trinity, we see it in creation, we see it in the church, and of course we see it in marriages too. It's because unity is the central focus of God's master plan that he set in place before the foundation of the world, which was to unite all things in Christ. And he does it in God's perfect timing, and he does it according to his perfect design. And we've learned that whenever we operate in our lives according to God's design, it puts us in step with his will, and he fills us with his spirit. And of course, the Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity who unites all things in Christ. So whenever that's our motivation for how we'll operate in our marriage, it absolutely changes everything with regard to how we interact and love and care for our spouses. Because we're no longer focused on ourselves. We're focused on our relationship with Jesus. And that's the key to this message today. Yeah, our jobs, our marriages, our kids, our families, our neighbors, all of that is very important for sure. But Jesus is now our one thing. He's our main thing. He is our focus. We just sang a song about this. And whenever we focus on him, everything else falls in place. We're the worker that we're designed to be. We're the husband or the wife or the neighbor that we were designed to be. Now, it doesn't mean that our lives are always going to go easy, but it does mean that we will be operating in step with his will. And so wives, they submit to their husbands because they want to grow in their relationship with the Lord. Yeah, it has a little bit to do with their husbands, but it's far more focused on their relationship with Jesus because he's now their one thing. And the same thing goes with husbands. They love their wives because they want to grow in their relationship with Jesus. So again, it's not necessarily just for the sake of the wife, rather it's for the sake of Jesus. They're one thing. And as both of them grow closer and closer to Jesus, they can't help but grow closer and closer to each other. It's just basic geometry. It's how God designed things to be united. It's how two become one flesh in Christ. And you see, you can't get there by chasing each other around. If your focus is your spouse, your spouse is always moving up and down, and that's why marriages get so wrecked and so messy. But when both parties are focused on Jesus, the one constant in life, you can't help but grow closer and closer to each other. It's the way God designed it. And as we learned last week, this design that God has, it's a mystery, and it is a profound one. But Paul is actually referring to Christ and the church, meaning this is exactly how unity works between Christ and the church, too. As each of God's beloved children choose to submit to Jesus, who absolutely is madly in love with them, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They progress in holiness. They grow closer to Christ as they're united with Him. Their hearts are tethered to His, so to speak, and their identity is found in Him. And because they are part of the same body of Christ, they also grow closer to each other. Think about that. This is how we grow closer to each other as members of Christ's church. 
It's what fills all of us with joy because we get to share life united with Christ and with our brothers and sisters in Christ as well as our spouses. There are just so many important parallels here between marriage and the church. A wife takes on her husband's name, and we take on the name of Christ too. That's why they call us Christians. A wife shares in the standing of her husband. We share in Christ's standing too, in the heavenly places. A wife has access to her husband's father, and we have access to Christ's father too, because we're his beloved children. A wife shares in her husband's possessions. We share in the unsearchable riches of Christ too. A wife is cared for by her husband's servants, and we are cared for by his angels now too. But of course, this also means that we share in his sufferings. The world torments us just like it tormented him. So yeah, it's going to be hard sometimes to submit to your husbands. There may be some suffering there. And it might be hard some days to love your wives. There's no doubt going to be some suffering there too. But when our eyes are fixed on Jesus and we submit to one another for his sake, we're filled with his spirit. And that is also the focus of the church, that we can be filled with the spirit so that we can progress in holiness, so that we can be united in Christ as a church and in our marriage. And it's a joy that makes all the world's suffering bearable. And then we come to this closing line of this teaching. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So let's start with, yet again, another one of these conjunctions that Paul loves to employ, this word, however. It marks yet another one of those abrupt shifts that he is so famous for. He just finished teaching us about the profound mystery of husbands and wives becoming one flesh. Then he rips us back over to the other side, and he says, but I'm actually referring to Christ in the church. And we spent a whole week last week looking at that because there's just so much richness in these comparisons. And so we dug into that. We saw all of that. And then what does he do? He drops this however on top of us, and he rips us back over to the other side by essentially saying, in any case, nevertheless, as profound a mystery as it is that Christ becomes one flesh with his church, don't forget, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Because when you do that, when you live in obedience to God's design for marriage, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the person of God, the Holy Spirit, who's uniting the church in Christ, that is his job. He's the same person of God who will unite your marriage too, because God made you one flesh now. And so Paul starts out by writing, husbands, let each one of you love your wife as himself. Of course, let's not miss the fact that Paul closes this part in Ephesians by leading with the head this time, the husbands. That was the custom back in the day, but you'll remember, he started out this whole section by actually leading with the wives. And he did that to highlight this really important volitional nature of submission. Because husbands don't force their wives to submit. 
wives choose to submit to their husbands for Jesus' sake. And this is an absolutely vital point for all of us to grasp because it completely changes the nature of any relationship, especially a marriage. We don't force people into submission. They voluntarily choose to submit. It's so important because there's a tremendous difference between relationships that are based on being forced and those that are based on volition or voluntarily choosing to engage in them. And that's why Paul doesn't say, love your wife when she submits to you. Rather, Paul says, husbands, love your wife like Christ loves the church. So that means unconditionally. With that agape kind of love that Paul taught us about. It's the way Christ loves his church. It's selfless, as Jesus modeled for us. There's this unconditional fondness. It truly doesn't matter whatever they've done or however they've behaved in the past because it's not about being worthy. It's about love in its truest, purest form, just as God designed it because the two have become one flesh. So just as a husband loves himself in the sense that he cares for himself in order to survive, he must also love and care for his wife because she is now part of his body too. And we got to be really careful here because this is not some notional love her just like you love yourself. No, Paul's moved us further along in that. It's love her because she is now part of you. She is part of your body. You are now one flesh. And you don't neglect, you don't abuse, you don't take advantage of your own body. You would never do that. No, you nourish it. You cherish it. If part of it gets damaged or sick, you take care of it. And that's how you view your wife now. You love her as yourself. You nourish her. You cherish her because she's part of you now. The two of you have become one flesh. And then he closes how he started with wives. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. So this is a slight shift in the terminology that Paul uses here. He goes from submit to respect. Now these are certainly close cousins, but it's important because this distinction here allows us to see quite a few important insights about what Paul wants us to know about this relationship. The word used here for respect in the original language is phobio. It means to revere or venerate. In other words, to hold in high regard. Now, interestingly, this is the exact same word that Paul used back in verse 21 when he kicked this whole thing off by saying you be filled with the Spirit by submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So just as we revere Christ, as we hold Him in high regard, willingly submit to Him as a church, wives likewise are to revere their husbands, hold them in high regard, willingly submit to them. Now, holding someone in high regard isn't something that just happens. It's something that a person earns, so to speak. They must be something or do something for us to revere them. And in some sense, that brings us full circle to this whole submission and love issue. While yes, it is true that wives must voluntarily choose to submit to their husbands and to respect them. The addition of this word respect, though, suggests the husbands must be or do something in order to earn it. 
And we know what that something is because Paul just moved it up front. Being a loving husband. How? As Christ loves the church. Nourishing, cherishing her, putting her interests ahead of his own. That is how you become someone or do something to earn someone else's respect. I recently had a future husband raise this concern in pre-engagement counseling with me. He said, I'm not sure if my future wife will be able to submit to me. And I asked him why. And he was concerned that she had such high standards of excellence that he just wasn't sure that he was going to be able to measure up. And my response was, now your wife is a God-fearing woman, and she will no doubt submit to you. But it's also quite possible that you're half-stepping it. You haven't earned her respect. You think that she just has to respect you or submit to you because the Bible says so, and she certainly should, and no doubt she will. But man, you've got to step up and start earning this. And that's a charge to all of us as husbands out there. You don't just get automatic respect. You've got to earn it. Take a look at what Jesus did. He loved us, right? And look at all he did. He came down from heaven. Look at all that he dealt with on this earth. Died on a cross, right? Resurrected. Gave us his Holy Spirit. Why did he do all that? Because he loves us so much. That's what he does. He cherishes us. He nourishes us. And therefore, we respect, we revere, we venerate him. Because he is God. And because he did all of that for us. But we can actually push even a bit further here on this word respect because it also means to grant reverential obedience. And that means there's something that happens to a wife whenever she respects her husband. She's obedient to him. She reveres him to such a level that she now chooses to obey him. And as Jesus says in John chapter 14, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So here we find a nod to the fact that a wife shows that she loves her husband by being obedient to him. It's the exact same way that the church shows Christ that she loves him, by being obedient to him. So this shift to the word respect carries with it some fairly significant insights. But there's actually one more definition here that provides yet another helpful perspective for us. Because this word respect also means to fear. And it's the same word used in that phrase, fear of the Lord, that we find all throughout Scripture. Which is, as we know, it's the beginning of wisdom. Fearing God means that we know who we are. with that little guy up there. And we know who he is. The creator and sustainer of the universe. He is sovereign. And what that means in many ways is that he can even grant every single one of us choice in our lives, which he has, and still be in control of absolutely everything. That's what sovereign means. He is all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing, and he is good. He's the very definition of love. He's perfectly holy, and he is the author of truth. And that means whatever he says happens. It's true. And this is what he says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit and respect your husbands, because God said so. That's how he designed things. And as we keep seeing over and over again, whenever we operate 
according to God's design, it puts us in step with his will, and he fills us with his spirit. So husbands, wives, if you're struggling to progress in holiness, notice I didn't say struggling with regard to your marriage. If you're struggling to progress in holiness, not becoming more Christ-like each day, then do these things. Praising, giving thanks, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ by applying all that Paul has taught us, but specifically with regard to our marriage. Because God will extend his mercy to you. He will do that to revive your life because he wants to be in that close relationship with you. You are a beloved child of God. You've been born again. He wants you to progress in holiness, to be united in Christ. It's why he came and did all that he did. It's out of his amazing grace and his abundant mercy that he desires to fill us and to revive us with his spirit. That's a personal thing. But he also wants to do this in your marriage. He wants that personal relationship with you, but he also wants that to happen between you and your spouse. Because when you do that, it fills you with his spirit. It's so important that we praise that we give thanks, and that we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you're falling behind, try that this week. And just watch what happens as you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God and as your relationship with Jesus grows. There's nothing he can't fix. I don't care how dark and deep and difficult your marriages have been, start walking his way and just watch what he does in your lives. Let's pray. Lord, we cannot help but begin our prayers by praising and thanking you for your word. It is truth. It is the light that shines in the darkness. We thank you that living life in step with your will fills us with your spirit, and that is our desire each day. May we seek after you with all we've got, empowered by your spirit to respond in obedience to your promptings so that we might progress in holiness and be united to our brothers and sisters in Christ, but especially in our marriages. We ask all these things and whatever else you see that we need. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen.